It's the time for you to stop looking at your brothers and placing yourself on a pedestal just a little bit above them because you feel in your heart you're right and they're wrong or you know more than they know or you're better than them. That's pride, says the Lord. That's, that's the leaven of the Pharisees and it's, it's not my will for you to have that attitude. That attitude should be that you should be broken for your brother and broken for your own sin and position and it's time to get real and and to look at yourself and examine yourself and let the Holy Spirit do his work in you I cut here and now is not the time to back up but now is the time to march the bigger the attack the more you should run towards the Lord who will see you through it if you're a co-laborer and you feel like you have a word I'm going to ask you to come give it over the microphone I heard the Lord say, stop wrestling with the Lord because he's going to win. There's only one way to beat the Lord in a wrestling match. Submit. I heard the Lord say, you can't just approach the fire and expect to be purged. You can feel the heat of the fire when you're standing close to it, but when you are Purged is when you step into the fire. Stop avoiding it. Step in. Uh, I heard the Lord, and I saw a vision of a wall of fire with people running from it. The Lord says, stop running. Step into it. I felt like I heard God say that he is the more that you're looking for. It's good to have... From our sister church in Milledgeville, Pastor Jeff and Melanie Arnold. Well, I'm glad y'all are here. Amen. Amen. Good to see them. They came and floated the Chattahoochee yesterday. Showed it about 13 miles, wasn't it? Wow. Wow. Didn't see a snake and didn't see an alligator. That's wild. Yeah, they saw you, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were at a, a senior pastor's conference this week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I actually got there on Saturday and spoke at the church in Rinkin on Sunday. And then people started coming in Sunday night. We had a good crowd of us Sunday night. and Monday, it really filled up. There was 24 of us, and uh, we had a good time. We had a great time together. Uh, but there were some things said, and, and there was some revelation. There was some, God touched each and every man and woman there. And so we're going to just bring a little testimony, four of us. Supposed to be six of us, but two of them had a plane crash in Tennessee and wasn't able to make it. <laughs> Man. But they'll be back, I think they'll be back Wednesday night. If everything goes right, they're supposed to be back Wednesday night. They got braces on them and stuff, but they'll be here. I knew they were okay when I saw them eat. They didn't, they didn't miss a lick on eating. Neither one of them. And I knew they was going to be all right finally. It'd take a while because they are beat up. I mean, they are beat up. 
But uh, we're going to have four of us talk a little bit about and testify a little bit about what God said to us and uh, just show you that, that God's moving on the senior pastors. Amen. He's moving on their family. Uh, he's dealing with us. He wants us to be ahead of the curve. He wants us to, to have strategies that's ahead of the world and ahead of the devil and ahead of uh, the accusations that are out there against Christ. He wants, and that, that's what he gave us. Uh, and so I'm excited about it. And uh, Pastor Susan's going, she's got the lineup. All righty. Our first speaker, and I encourage you to um, pay attention and take notes and um, try to stay off your electronic devices, please, unless you're using them to take notes or for the Bible and show respect and honor. And I encourage you to um, make our first speaker feel welcome, one of our associate pastors, Pastor Sharon Strong. Amen. Well, it's good to be here. Um, one thing I can say about the, the, the pastor's conference was I just thank my God every day that I'm in covenant relationship with these people. Um, there's nothing like it. Uh, if you've ever been out of the covenant, off on your own, and you come back, you realize what you, what you have. If you don't... If you don't ever miss it, you don't know what you've, you've missed. But we've missed it. And I just thank God we're back and we're in it and we're a part of it. And um, oh, we were in um, Mexico for 17 years. We weren't out of the covenant. Let my husband correct me. We weren't out of the covenant. We had lots of support. But it's not like it is now. We weren't with you guys every day, in, in, day in and day out. So, um, but anyway, it's a blessing. Um, Pastor Kathy's word of prophecy confirmed what I was supposed to talk about tonight. She was talking about being real. We had a couple, a new couple that was there, and they got up. The wife got up, and she was talking about being real with God. That people just want to see who's real with God and who and and they want the real thing. And um uh, John 14:6 says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Jesus is real. He is real. And if we don't do it his way, we're doing it wrong. Okay? We need to realize first of all who is real, and that's Jesus. It's not our opinion or how we feel, it's Jesus. And like it or not, the only way that we can really be real is to do what his word says. And I feel like there were two, and this is going to be kind of funny, I feel like there were two extremes that the Lord showed me about being real. And some of you younger ones aren't going to have a clue what I'm about to, to say, but you older ones will. Do y'all remember um, Tiny Tim? Yeah. He says, tip. Toe through the tulips, through the garden, that is where I'll be, oh, tiptoe. Okay, this is the flaky crowd, okay? These are the ones that get off on, on some flakes, and people can see through that. They know that that's not real. Amen? Amen. They know, yeah, there was a lot of that in Charleston. <laughs> oh, he lives in Charleston, okay. But anyway, people know that if you're... 
flaky and you're not real, they can see through it. Amen? The other extreme... Ah, the other extreme is I'm real. I'm just going to tell it like it is, like it or not. Well, that's a haughty attitude. We can't be that way either. They say, I'm going to be real no matter who it hurts or who it offends. Well, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways. Your ways, says the Lord. For as the heaven are higher than the earth, so my ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So it's not what we think, it's what, we, what he thinks. Amen. Amen? We need to seek him out and know his ways so we can correctly be real. Amen. We tend to be shaped by our own experiences, our temperaments. You know, the temperament uh, um, teaching that they had, well, I'm a melancholy, so I don't have to like people. Or I'm a choleric, so I can be nasty and mean. Well, that is not the way Jesus says that we can be. Amen? He wants us to go higher. He wants us to love one another. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We can be real and honest and yet still love others. 1 Timothy 1, 5 says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from sincere faith, from which some have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things that they affirm. All right, and we can read 1 Corinthians 13. You know, it tells us how to love. Everybody knows the, the love chapter, and it tells us how we're supposed to love. Um, love demands more from us than just being honest but to deny ourselves and letting our expectations die and not throw a temper tantrum when we don't get our way and it's not done the way we feel is real. None of us are fully real yet. Romans 8.29 said, From whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ephesians 4.13 says, Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is what means being real. Okay? None of us have arrived there yet. But Philippians 1 says, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay? Let's make sure that it's him that's begun the work and not our feelings and not what we want and not our opinions and not our agendas. Y'all remember the the teaching that Pastor Ballard did on our feelings, opinions, and agenda. We have to have uh, the agenda of Christ and we have to strive for the unity in the body of the Christ and that we love one another as Christ loved us. Amen? Thank y'all. Love you. Praise the Lord. All right, please make our next speaker feel welcome. Um, our newest ruling elder associate pastor, Pastor Joey Strong. Thank you. I just want to testify about how good God is. Amen. Has God been good to anybody in here lately? Hallelujah. He's awesome. Uh, 
tell you, this uh, week we spent in Savannah was an awesome week. The camaraderie was uh, unbelievable. The unity was awesome. The way the Holy Spirit moved in our meetings, it was just unbelievable. The worship was off the chain, just like it is here. And, uh, you know, God moved and he spoke. And I believe the most important thing that could have happened, I believe it happened. And that's that I believe that hearts and lives were changed. That's what it's all about. I know mine was. I know I was challenged in many ways, and I just want to talk a little bit about uh, what I got out of the meeting and what uh, the meetings and what uh, all of this meant to me. And Pastor Bottle and I have been talking about this some, and I think we even mentioned here but uh, one time before or a couple of times before, but I believe what Pastor Bottle was talking about, and I don't want to get into his message, is being ahead of the curve in some things. Uh, and talking about things that never get talked about. And that is the cultural barriers that we have and the prejudices and all those things. And I just want to read one short verse of Scripture that's found in uh, Philippians 2. And I'm just going to go all the way down to verse 4 just read this one little short passage because it says everything. I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation. It says, Abandon every display of selfishness, Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. And that is the power that will break the cultural barrier every time. If we begin to see people not as what we, like my wife said, not what we think they are or who we presume them to be, but who they really are in Christ and who we really are in Christ and see ourselves like the Bible says, not esteem myself higher than others. And I, and I said this in the, in, at the meeting, and I want to say it again. We're real quick, and it's real easy for us as Christians and ministers of the gospel to be able to minister to people that are hurting, to feed the poor, to, to, to clothe the ones that need clothing, to do all those, all those things that need to be done but still be estranged from those people on a personal level. I know a lot of times I've helped people on a, on a ministry level and really had no inkling of how their, how their inner person was or really didn't even concern myself to find out how they really were. I just went straight to do the, 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 the spiritual thing and begin to quote the scripture and, and, and say the right things, but really not looking deep into their person and being like it says here concerning myself with really what matters to them and coming down on a level and I believe that's what the difference is going to be in the last day's church that when we minister to each other it's going to be out of a pure heart it's going to be because we are honestly concerned about what you're going through what I'm going through not just throwing ministry at you this is what covenant relationship creates this is the ministry that flows out of covenant relationship. It's not just another superficial ministry, but it's the real thing that gets down to the heart of the matter and the heart of each other. And that's what I took away from this meeting. And I saw that very thing happen. It was unbelievable when we mentioned that we were going to talk about this, how many testimonies we heard of things that were going on in the different churches already that pertained exactly to this. I know without a shadow of a doubt 
this was the prophetic move of God to work towards making this better in our whole covenant. It was awesome. It was really awesome. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. God bless you. All right. I want you to make our first lady of Gateway Church, <laughs> Pastor Kathy, feel welcome. <laughs> I feel welcome. <laughs> you know, before we went <clears throat> to Savannah, we had the weekend before we had gone to three different churches, and, and Pastor Ballard had spoken five times. And then we got back here, and we were here like a day, and he had me cleaning the garage and stuff. Well, not just me, helping him clean the garage and stuff out. It felt like just me, but he did more of the work than I did. <laughs> He really did more of the work than I did, but I was tired. But so we were exhausted, and then he got the call about Richard and Kimberly, and um, he, you know, got the first plane out he could get out, and then I had to meet him in Atlanta on Saturday, and we drove to Savannah. So it was kind of like we were everywhere and, and really hadn't had a whole lot of rest, but um, it was like there was an open heaven over Savannah. We got to the first meeting, very first meeting, and um, two of the worship teams were combined. It was Kingsport and the church there um, in Rinkin. And, I mean, it was something about that unity that just, when, when I mean, every one of our worship teams are, you know, not beatable. But when you get them together and you get that, you know, that, going back and forth, it was, you felt like God was in the room when, when worship started. It, it was, it was amazing. And a lot of the kids were in there and they were up front, you know, when we did worship, every, the whole worship team and their families were there. And so everybody was worshiping and then they would leave for us to have our meeting. But every night it was something. I mean, it was, it was revival. I mean, I thought, this, you know, can you imagine if we got everybody together or, or like what heaven is really going to be like when everybody is together and we're all worshiping together? It's just, it just was something that I can't even describe. But, um, <clears throat> and, you know, we were all there from all the different churches. And uh, so you've got all these ministers together who all know, we've, we've all been in covenant together for 30 years, most of us, and um, you can get all these people together who know a whole lot and who have done a whole lot, and we know each other real well, you know, it could be, it could be not good, but it was, I mean, everybody was just in unity together, and we flowed together, and the prophetic flowed, and, you know, the, the word, and, um, I think it was a life-changing week. I really do. And, and the fellowship we had during the day and how well we were treated, I mean, was uh, we always get treated well. But it was just to have your peers, you know, look at you like they believe you're all right. You know, that, that's a good thing. And, and there's a lot of encouragement that went on. And there was some card playing that went on. <laughs> Somebody... Got a little, no, he really didn't get competitive. He just won. <laughs> there was no competition. <laughs> it 
But we had, a, we had a really, really good time, and we were able to go on Wednesday to Charleston. I was able to take some people and show them, you know, some things that I enjoyed doing and about growing up in my life. And um, we even took Sharon and Joey and uh, Linda and Bill and Debbie to uh, where I used to live. So they got the, the whole big tour that everybody else didn't get, but... It was it was nice to spend that time, you know, and share part of your life with people that you've spent years around. And um, but the whole thing about covenant is not that we're all just alike. That's not what covenant is. You don't become clones of each other. We're all very different, but through it, we're able to really enjoy each other and realize that, you know, even if somebody rubs you the wrong way, sometimes it's rubbing stuff off of you that doesn't need to be there. And, um, you know, that's not always, that's not a bad thing to feel uncomfortable or feel like, you know, you're not just like the other person. And, and you know, you really learn things and you really grow. And it's really been, you know, and, and we got to talk about Pastor Han a little bit when we were talking about Covenant. And, you know, we all realized how much he really did in our lives and saved our lives and loved all of us. And maybe he wasn't perfect, but he was... He was like a daddy to all of us, and he taught us so much that I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for him. So it was it was such a good trip. It wasn't just like, okay, we got this meeting, and we got to be there. You know, sometimes it's that way. Well, I got to be here for four days. We got this meeting, and, you know, we got. It was really, it was a gift from God. Amen. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. Woo. That's awesome. Hallelujah. Last but not least, everybody encourage Pastor Ballard as he comes, please. Well, I, these card sharks got me in a game, and they knew I didn't know how to play cards. And I wasn't competitive, and I couldn't remember all the cards. We cut up, y'all. I thought they were going to kick us out of the motel. I thought the police was going to show up. But we had a good time. It was wonderful. Uh, I really think God showed up. The praise and worship was it was, it, was, it was too good. When you got David and Anita harmonizing, they did I'm Listening by uh, Chris McClarney is better than Chris does it. It was so dang good. It was so good. I just went off in the Holy Ghost. I just got lost in the Holy Ghost. It was wonderful. I'm telling you. Previously, you know, before I went, I'd been to, I'd been up at, uh, Kingsport and the Holy Ghost broke loose there and then we went to uh, Kentucky, Albany, Kentucky and, and the fire fell and the Holy Ghost fell. The second meeting I was in, I've never seen anything quite like that. The drummer, uh, he jumps off the drums and he runs around the church twice and behind him is a woman with nasal cannules 
and she's dragging her oxygen bottle and running around the church. I have never seen anything like that in my life. And that old woman didn't stop with one lap, neither. She went around about three times, and uh, everybody got loose at that point when they saw her getting loose with it. You know, she always, she ever done sit there, and the Holy Ghost fell on her. She didn't sit there. Uh, I mean, she wasn't able, but all of a sudden she was able. And then Bobby broke out, and Chastity took off with some other lady, and then the drummer takes off again, and he runs up on the stage and dives in the swimming in the pool and the baptismal pool, and he he's got brand new shoes on and got his wallet in his pocket. He comes up, looks like a wet dog, praying out loud, "Thank you, Jesus, I love you," and all that stuff. And it was it was wild. It was wild, Jack. I'm telling you, it was wild. We went about five or six hours. When I got home, I was wore out. And when I got, in, it, I just fell out. That's all I did. And we had to get up the next morning early before daylight and had to drive to Nashville two hours and 40 minutes. And I had to speak there at the Zambranos Church at New Living Hope in Nashville, Tennessee. And we broke out there again. I was already wore out. My old body was going, you idiot. You got to slow down. And so we got there, and then, then we, uh, we came home. I was just, you know, trying to make it through. And then Richard, Sky King, and clips a pole and flips the plane upside down. And I had to go get a plane and go up there. And I told him, I said, your new name, you, you're not Sky King anymore. You're Sky Magoo. <laughs> Mr. Magoo. And, and we laughed. He said, don't make me laugh. He's sitting there, you know, he's wrapped, bless his heart. Oh, it's, but we came back and he went down to Savannah. And I spoke in Savannah there at James and Christy Broxton's church. And, and the power of God fell. They're praising worships, hitting on all cylinders now. And it, I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, quit acting like your daddy. That's my great-grandson, y'all. He thinks he's got power in this church. It's kind of like that drummer when he took off running. Like a jailbreak. But they broke loose in Savannah on Sunday morning. It was, it was glorious. It was wonderful. And uh, they yielded to the move of God, and to the move of the Spirit. And um, it was quite the time to get kind of tuned up. And the senior minister started coming in at Sunday night and Monday morning. And we, we had a good day together. And, and we started Monday night. And Monday night, we had felt like uh, we would just all talk. Uh, and I let all the, the new ones get uh, Michael and Anastasia uh, Welburn were introduced as Jesse's. Uh, Jesse brought them in because he gives oversight to them as their pastor, and we learned about them, and then all the pastors talked. And, and you can't imagine how 
God's moving kind of the same way all over. You know, Pastor, when, Pastor Debbie's from the Big Island where the volcano's been loose now for about, it finally cleared up. It's funny, the hurricane come over and cleared the air up. You know, they had two hurricanes. They had a volcano for three months and then two hurricanes walked, you know, sideswiped them. Most of it was on the Hilo side, which is the opposite side, but they got rain and just cleaned the air out. It was kind of neat, neat. And she talked about what God had spoke to her during that time because you, when you have to hunker down, you'll talk to God. Well, we got, got a river of uh, lava, 3,000 degrees, coming by my house. I'd like to keep my house. Oh, Lord, you know, you, you just ain't not now I lay me down to sleep prayers. You're going to get with it. And you, you could tell she'd been prayed up. And then you got two hurricanes coming. One of them's a Category 5. My God. And it, it, it barely misses them, and it goes down to like a 1 or 2 before it gets there, which was a blessing. So, man, she, she, when she spoke, you could tell there was thunder in her words. You could tell she'd been with Jesus because she had to be, you know. And, and many of them were like that. I'm not taking away from anybody, but, boy, her especially over there, by herself in this new church and she's dealing with folks that are addicted and that kind of things mostly and and man she's a pioneer woman if there's ever been a pioneer woman she's tough as nails uh i ain't never seen anybody her age who get up on the roof and put solar panels up and then wire up the solar system on her house at her age you know she's older than us and uh, she's tough boy she's tough fix her car and all that crazy stuff they'll go to alaska in the winter and get 80 below, that ain't nothing to them. Catch the trout out of the creek running through their property and eat them, you know, uh, build fires to eat and just does all that stuff still. But uh, we had a good time with that. And then Tuesday night, we dealt with a subject that I've not heard dealt with in, in uh, ministries is, is what offends other cultures and we don't know we're offending them. Accidental, accidental racism and accidental bigotry, inadvertent. What are some of the things that we've got to watch? And, and of course, Joy understands Hispanics probably better than anybody I know because he was a missionary down there 17 years in the midst of it. And he saw people get offended and he, he understands why they get offended. And, uh, and, 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 and we just, we had a good discussion about that and we want to be ahead of the curve and we want to teach our young ministers not to know people after the flesh at all, not to differentiate. And, and, and we had just a great, it was a great week. We, we see this as a continuing education when we get together. Uh, we, we, we look at it as that, and, and we, mean, we mean we're going to grow when we get together. We mean we are. We, we dedicate ourselves to grow. When we come out of that meeting, we're going to have grown. So we did that Tuesday night, and then Wednesday we had a free day where, we all, where a bunch of us went to Charleston, then came back and had dinner together that night at uh, the Shell House in Savannah. Uh, raw oysters, crab legs, shrimp, stuff like that. Joy, how many oysters do you eat? He said he wanted about two or three dozen. I've never seen him eat less than five dozen in my life. <laughs> he can do it. Oysters fear him. But we had a good time Wednesday and Thursday. I brought a word on, on uh, covenant and what it means. 
what it really means. How, what does it look like? What did Pastor Hand teach us? You know, what are rules and legalism and stuff like that? What, what's a lifestyle of relationship ministry? You know, most of churches around here, 100 out of 100, you got ministry and relationship flows out of ministry. And I'll let you have a relationship with me if you help me build my, build my empire, make me look good. That's what most is going on. But Dr. Hand taught us that in the Word of God, Jesus looked at the individual and had a relationship, and out of relationship, ministry flowed. It's one of the things he taught us. It's relationship first. You love the person. You, you minister to the person. You minister to the person's needs. And out of that flows ministry when you flow together in ministry. And it's one of the great revelations that's not taught all over the southeast. But uh, we talked about that, and we talked about some, some, some things that, that he had done for us in the last 33 uh, years before he died that were covenant things that only covenant people would think about doing, things he would do that nobody else would do. And if he was on a ministry trip and he was going to Panama City, Florida to minister down there, at the Rock Church for that, you know, what's that guy's name, that whitehead guy? Nolan Ball. Buddy, if he came within 50 or 100 miles of one of the churches in this fellowship, he would go over there and feed the pastor and minister to him before he went. I've never seen anybody, you know, most men are A, point A to point B. We're going to conquer this trip. But not Dr. Hand. I've been on with him before. Let's go to Nashville. But we're going to go through Savannah first. <laughs> Isn't that about 10 hours out of the way, Papa? I just feel like we need to minister so-and-so down there. I mean, that's the way he was. He was a covenant man. He was going to come and feed you and grandfather you. And then he would go on and he'd get to the place he was going. But if he came and... 50, 100 miles, or even more than that at times. He's going to come. He, he knew about relation, relationship ministry like nobody else. And it, all over that room, we stayed in there. I thought we were going to get out at 9.30, and boy, the next thing I knew, it was 11.30. Nobody wanted to quit talking about people who had impacted their life because they understood relationship. And... I'm just going to read a scripture to you. It's one of the things that blessed me. It's 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 5. It's talking about David when he was young. So now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. What's your soul? Your mind, will, and emotions. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Talking about David. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Everybody say, made a covenant. Made a covenant. Because Jonathan loved David as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor 
even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out whenever, whenever or wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. In other words, he worked Saul's vision. He didn't have his own agenda. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. But he said in the scripture that Jonathan and David made a covenant. And I was taught when I first got saved that only, it was only covenants between God and man and man and women for when they got married. The first, great, the first and greatest covenant was the covenant of marriage. Then there was the old covenant. Then there was the new covenant. The, co the, old, the, the marriage covenant was for the body. The old covenant was for the soul, the mind, will, and emotion. The new covenant was for the spirit, where you could be born again. So that was the three major covenants. There are the covenants. But I was taught uh, uh, when I first got, before I met Dr. Han, that you wouldn't have a covenant with other people. There was nowhere in the Bible that there was that. Well, here it is. They made a covenant. Then you look at Acts 15, 16, and the Bible says that God's going to build up the tabernacle of David. I think that's in, uh, oh, God, it's in somewhere in Isaiah. I'm just kind of sleepy. Uh, and, and what is David's tabernacle? Well, a lot of charismatic preachers preach just praise and worship, but that's the fruit of his tabernacle. The root of his tabernacle is David was a covenant man with God and with anybody that God had sent him to be with. Remember the, uh, when he went to the cave of Adullam and those 400 men came down and brought their family and he became their shepherd and he put them first. He wouldn't drink water that they went and got for him when he was thirsty, poured it out as a drink offering unto the Lord. He was truly, truly a, a sheepdog. He was more of a sheepdog, I, I would say. But David was a covenant man. He was a covenant man. Covenant with God, and he broke covenant before. He got in trouble for breaking covenant. Uh, but he, he was restored, uh, and that's just the way God did it. God will just, uh, he'll, he'll restore you. But if you look up that word, made a covenant, the A there, A is implied. Made is karath. And some people in Hebrew write it karat without the H. And it, so it says karath bereath. Karath bereath. And it looks redundant. You know why? Because both of them mean covenant. See, the English is such a paraphrased language. He made a covenant. In other words, it looks like covenant, covenant to the naked eye. But that's not what it says. There are two different reasons for that. Uh, karat is the technical term for covenant. Karat is a technical term covenant. What does that mean? It taught in the Old Testament all the things you did to be in covenant with God and man. It was the technical stuff, the steps to the right covenant. But bereath is the spiritual word for covenant and how God links people together and ties them together. So see, you have technical steps to walking out covenant and then you got 
what happens spiritually when God puts you with somebody. Isn't that cool stuff? That's good stuff, isn't it? Okay, so we talked about a lot. What did, did Dr. Hand do to walk out to Carathas? And what happened, because he Carathed, what happened in the Berethrim? Well, I can tell you this. I was so beat down in Milledgeville one time that I wanted to quit. And God had spoke to Dr. Hand and got him up out of bed and made him come over there. He drove three and a half hours and knocked on my door. And I've never been so happy to see somebody in my whole life. See, he walked out the Karath. This, God said, Benny, this is what you got to do. This is your Karath. You got to get in your car, cancel all your appointments today, and go over there because your boy Mac Ballard's about to throw in the towel and go back to being a detective again. You know, I'd been trained in CSI school and all that, and I could do that. When Jezebels jump on you in church, you can't hit them in the mouth like you can. Somebody jumps on you out like that. Do you understand? As a pastor, you can't shoot nobody. You can't choke them out. You can't. You can't defend yourself. And I was a young pastor, a young pastor. And I still wasn't, Jeff knows me, I still wasn't used to not dealing with it in, in that way. And I wasn't used to people running over me for no reason and treating me ugly for no reason when I was trying to help them. So I got frustrated, and Doc, God spoke to Dr. Hannon and, and said, get up out of your bed, cancel your appointments, and go over there and rescue Mac Ballard. That is the Quran. This is what you must do to save Mac Ballard. But what was the brief? When I, he walked in, he looked like an angel of God to me. And I had strength to continue the fight. I had continue, I had, that's the bereath of it. I had the strength to continue in my calling and not give up because he carothed for me. When's the last time you carothed somebody? Because there's a bereath coming. And, and see, you, you, what you sow, you reap. So when you make a covenant, there's going to be a walking it out, the steps, and there's going to be a spiritual reward. There's going to be a spiritual up, uplifting. It, and, and how many times have you got healed helping somebody else? Isn't that right, Casey? There's been a many a day that my finances were close that God made me take a $100 bill, my last one, and give it to somebody. And in the middle of doing that, God would tell somebody to send me a check for $500. It's the strangest. See, I carothed. And in the middle of that carothed, God bereaved me. You my boy. He got the prettiest eyes. Okay. Quit acting like your granddaddy. I want to read something to you. I'm going to close with this. And I call this ministry-minded empire builders versus relational fathers. 
And we have to decide what we're going to be. And you're going to have to decide what you're going to be, even in your realm, even in your job. What are you going to be? And I want to talk about slave catchers. You ever heard the story of slave catchers? Y'all stay on the uh, internet so much, I'm surprised y'all don't know that one. Before the American Civil War, some of the most vicious, ruthless, and cruel individuals were those depraved men who made their living at the expense of another person's freedom. They were called slave catchers. And for every runaway slave they returned their masters, they received a bounty or reward for their efforts. These brutes were so disgusting that many were not particular about the identity of those they captured, just as long as they were the right color. There are many men and women who roam the halls of our churches today who are controlled by this same evil spirit. They are spiritual slave catchers in their own right. And they will make every attempt to return you to bondage, always attempting to rob you of your freedom in Christ. In the seventh chapter of the book of Romans, Paul speaks of the bondage that he was under when he labored to obey the letter of the law. Finally, in a cry of utter desperation, he almost screams out of his frustrations in the 24th verse of the same chapter. And he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? There are a total of 613 laws in the Torah. 365 negative laws, 248 that are positive. Yet in the New Testament, every single one of them has been condensed into only two commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. The express purpose of the law was to show men their need for a savior. The righteousness problem in the church today has not been caused by breaking the Mosaic law, but as a result of the lack of covenant love relationship between us and Christ. A type of this covenant in the Old Testament can be found in 1 Samuel 18. The King James Version says the soul of Jonathan was knit together with the soul of David, and that he loved him as his own soul, they made a covenant. They what? They karath bereath. And according to the Hebrew custom, exchanged garments and weapons. My friends at the cross, my friends at the cross, Jesus made a covenant with us, then sealed and signed with his precious blood that has been dipped in with a point of a Roman spear, we gave him filthy, filthy rags of this world, and he gave us a robe of righteousness. We gave him our shepherd's slingshot. He gave us weapons that will pull down strongholds. Yet the most wonderful event that took place upon that cruel cross was when he took our hearts and knit together with his heart, making us a partaker of his holy and divine nature. Draw closer to Jesus. Look into his eyes unto your nature is consumed by his nature in its efforts to please him. You are a freeborn child of the king and never let a slave catcher tell you otherwise. So what I'm calling on us to do is to Karath bereath 
at a higher level. Figure out what somebody needs. What are the steps to their needs? Maybe they're down. Ask God to show you somebody that's worse off than you and walk out the Karath so you can see a manifestation of the breath in them and in you. That's what I'm calling. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray and I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that you took our sin and they were crucified with you. I thank you for changing our lives. I thank you for the the covenant relationship that we understand in this church. I thank you that we're going to walk out Karath at a higher level so Bereath will manifest at a higher level. And I praise you and I honor you and I glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.